Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. And as usual, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you found value by all the YouTube channel and all the podcasts and everything that's available for you to help to learn how to manage saving your sanity from a toxic relationship. And all those things are there for you. When you go to Save Your Sanity podcast, you'll see all the podcast episodes. And if you're enjoying this, you know that you can support this work by going to patreon.com slash save your sanity, patreon.com slash save your sanity. You can support us over there with a small donation every month or a one-time donation, but it helps us get the word out further and further. So thank you for that. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about something just so important because I get asked all the time, how do I know I am ready to date after a toxic relationship? You might have asked yourself that question. You may not even be out of your toxic relationship and you're wondering what will happen once I do and you're preparing for your future. But one of the things that the answer seems to come from people I've spoken to that some of them want to jump in right away and distract themselves. And some are, I will never date again. So all that wide spectrum is there. But I have some caveats for you. Don't jump in to distract yourself from the past pain. That's so important. I know it's appealing. Like you have freedom, you have an opportunity perhaps, and you want to jump in because you'd like to feel better. That will not make you feel better. That is not a strategy that is going to work for you in the long time term. So don't jump in because you want to distract yourself. Don't jump in because you deserve to get some love and attention and validation and adoration and have some fun and experience your freedom. Don't do that because of what you've been missing for a while. I know they're very attractive. <laughs> it's something that you really would like to do. Distract yourself or um, treat yourself to something that you feel you deserve and you've been missing. They're valid options. I understand them completely, but the wise path is not that. I'm going to share many things with you tonight that will make that pathway sustainable, that you will be ready to date and you will be able to be safe when you do it. Because if you take the same wounded you out to date and take that same wounded you out into a new relationship, you are likely to be a magnet for hijackals. You really are, and they see you coming. You know, I swear that hijackals must have some 18th sense that they can pick up 
something in the air from somebody who is already pre-groomed by a previous relationship. So they lay on the love bombing like crazy and hope that you will see that as supremely different from anything else that's ever happened to you. And I have had people in my practice, which people all over the world, I've had people who have married up to three hijackals in a row before they came to see me. So I want to give you the benefit of all that experience and all their experiences. So please believe me when I say, don't jump into dating. You're just not ready to do it. You need to heal first. And if we think about it as a wound, you know, just as though you had a crater in your arm, not just a slice, which will heal much more easily, but a real chunk out of your arm, a deep chunk out of your arm. And you put a Band-Aid over it and you just don't, don't look at it very often. So it becomes part of you and the Band-Aid becomes part of you and you think, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm okay now. And then somebody comes along and rips off the Band-Aid more pain, more remembrance of everything, feeling worse, longer to heal. And if we keep that going, you know, you just need to wait till it's healed until it doesn't hurt to touch it, that there is no more redness, that you don't even think about it anymore because it doesn't hurt. It does every time you walk by something, it no longer hurts. Every time you touch it, there isn't pain. And then it only becomes a memory that maybe somebody says at some time, oh, did you hurt your arm at some time? And with distance and perspective, you can tell the story. But it's not top of mind. It's not, let me tell you about he done me wrong and ain't it awful. It Or she was just the most horrible person I could imagine and I'm afraid to date. None of that. Get to the place where you have healed, and it is only a memory that does not come with pain. Now, of course, you may not wait to date until that is entirely done, but certainly wait until it doesn't hurt to touch it anymore. Think of the scar. You know, if we use this metaphor, we have to get to the place where we don't look at the scar and say, oh, that's where I was wounded. I'm encouraging you to get to the place where you look at the scar and say, oh, that's where I healed. And that's a very different perspective. And when you can get to that place, then you can move forward in your life. Then it is possible. Then you are not going to fall in any pit fields or mind, step on a mine or anything because it has healed. And it won't help to just think that, oh, I've got this wound, but somebody else, somebody else will just make me forget about it. As I said, don't distract yourself by somebody else making you forget about it. So these are very important basic pieces for you to have in your thought pattern because that desire to be appreciated again, that desire to have someone look at you with love again, that desire to hear someone say something nice about you and not make everything your fault, that's real. I understand you really want that. But it's very important to wait for the appropriate time and the appropriate amount of healing to allow that to have its day in the sun. 
So today I'm going to be talking with you about eight essential factors for recovery after emotional abuse, after a toxic relationship. So let's just talk about my definition of a toxic relationship. It's any adult relationship where interactions are verbally and emotionally abusive, intentionally damaging, controlling, or otherwise lacking in equality, reciprocity, and mutuality, those absolute must-haves of healthy adult relationship. So a toxic relationship, any adult relationship with a parent, a partner, an adult child, a friend, where interactions are verbally and emotionally abusive, where interactions are intentionally damaging or controlling or otherwise lacking in those three must-haves, equality, reciprocity, and mutuality will be a toxic relationship. And if you have been attracted to a hijackle, it may well be that you had hijackles in your home. And you are just used to it. It's comfortably uncomfortable. And for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a a while, you know I use that phrase because even though we're not happy when we find a hijackle, there's something familiar about it. And in that familiarity, we are kind of comfortably uncomfortable. It's kind of okay enough. That's not enough for you. Not enough for anyone. So it's really important to deeply consider how you're going to go about calibrating if you're ready to date. I remember a client who quickly rushed out to date and she could hardly tell me how, you know, oh, wow, you won't believe what happened to me. And I I had lunch with her uh, a little while ago, and this was years that she's been dealing with this now, uh, getting out of a very abusive relationship. And she said to me, you know, the most, re- the thing that I remember most about what you told me was that I could go out and date as long as I knew in my mind I was practiced dating. She said, you told me that I could go Somebody could talk to me for a while, and then I would practice getting up and saying, well, thank you. It's been nice talking to you without any expectations and walk away. And she had been out of a very abusive relationship for a year at the time that I told her that. She told me that she is still practice dating (laughs) because she's not ready to settle. She will not settle, and she feels powerful, empowered, and strong when she can do exactly that. Thank you. Thank you for the drink, or thank you for the conversation. I've enjoyed talking with you, and uh, maybe we'll do it again. And off she walks. Great practice, but not too soon. Remember, I said she waited for a year, and hopefully that's a good indication to you how long it would take. because. You've got to settle into a new life. You've got to create new routines. You've got to create new patterns. If you have children, they have to be a priority and be taken care of. And you as an adult need to get some help so that when you do move on, you're moving on from the positives, not the negatives of what you've experienced. You've transformed your thinking and transformed your expectations and transformed what you're looking for. So very important. So I want to talk about these eight essential factors for recovery after emotional abuse. Um, 
you know that my emerging empowered programs are coming online now and the community is up we haven't told anybody but i'm telling you i i mentioned it on a previous podcast the emerging empowered community is available for you and you can go to joinintoday.com it's only $19 a month, and that allows you to take part in the very secure discussion threads that are on my website, not any social media anywhere. I've particularly had my website very secured and using software that you are safe at. And not only that, for $19 a month, you have those community conversations, and I'm in there quite a bit. You also get two Ask Me Anything calls a month group calls you can register for. So go to joinintoday.com and beat the rush. (laughs) It's all brand new and uh, you'll get more attention the sooner that you join in. So joinintoday.com. So let's move on to these eight essential factors for recovery after emotional abuse. Yes, there are way more of these, but I have chosen these eight to give you an indication of what is really important before you date. That's the topic of tonight. How do I know when I'm ready to date after a toxic relationship? So these eight factors are very, very important. So the first thing is recovery takes time and you have to get comfortable with that. You may be champing at the bit to get out there. You may want to be seen and heard. I know you've lived with a hijackal and that just hasn't been happening and you'd like some of that, but it takes time to recover. So give yourself that time. Think. Think and know that you are important enough to give yourself the gift of time to recover. It's going to take a while. You can't get every aspect of your life in order. Maybe you've moved. Maybe you've had to release things. Maybe you have to purchase new things. Maybe there are car issues. Maybe there's a divorce pending still. So many things that need your time. So know that that's where you spend your time. Then you make sure if you have children, they're taken care of. Then the home is reestablished and norms are reestablished. Then you get some help to heal. And then maybe you move on to dating. But know that it takes time and more time than you wish. So know that for sure. That is number one. Accord yourself that time. It's a gift you give to yourself. You know, I have lots of courses that you can do, and they all include video and lots of worksheets and things to help you with that. So moving on to number two, which is reflection, self-reflection. The courses will help you with that. The time that you devote to it will help you as well. So to be self-reflective means, how did this happen to me? What were the signs? What did I miss? What do I want? How did this become acceptable to me? Where did I find the places in my life that contributed to this being acceptable to me? You know, this is the thing that I help clients with all the time. And if at any time you want to be a new client, you can go to beaclient.com. Really simple to remember. Just go to beaclient.com and you can use my one-time new client opportunity for only $97 there. And we can talk about it. But 
these are essential ingredients in knowing I'm going to have a look back and see what happened that made this acceptable, what went on during the relationship, and what do I want life to look like afterwards. So you have to take that time to understand yourself, to gather up a list of your values, your vision for your future, your actual beliefs about everything, what a relationship should be, what love looks like, what you value, um, what you like to call into your life. And then move forward with that mission in mind. So according yourself the time to be self-reflective and then to know what it takes to look at in that self-reflection time. So that you systematically go through things that will leave you feeling as though you really know what happened and why and what you are moving toward now, what are you releasing, what are you erasing, and what are you replacing? Those are all pieces of the self-reflection part. So we have time and we have self-reflection. And number three is internal shifts. In all that reflecting, in that time, we want to make some internal shifts that are sustainable. Not just good ideas, but sustainable internal shifts, like things about what you deserve in life, what you really believe you deserve and what you put up with and how you would like to move forward, knowing that you deserve much more and much better than you had. That's an internal shift. And in in with that goes an increase in self-esteem. Maybe you never had a chance to develop self-esteem. Maybe you had a hijackal parent or maybe you experienced childhood emotional neglect, or you had adverse childhood experiences. None of those are going to boost your self-esteem. So that may have led you to be open to the excitement of being love-bombed because it looked like somebody valued you. So very important to not only look at improving your self-esteem, but where did I get the self-esteem that I have and what do I want to trade it in for? Because you can, you absolutely can make a huge shift in that way. And I encourage you to look at that. Same with your self-confidence. Do you honestly think that you have the right to ask for what you need and want? That's healthy. As long as you have the emotional maturity to hear yes or no equally. Because if you don't, There's some codependence in that. There's some entitlement perhaps in that. But when you have the emotional maturity to be able to ask for something and someone says, no, I can't do that for you or give that to you right now, you may have a conversation about it, but you don't blame them for not giving it to you. You want an equal reciprocal and mutual relationship and you need to learn to develop that with other humans. And that is what builds self-confidence. So these internal shifts, I am worthy, I am deserving of love, I give and take love in healthy ways, I do not overgive, I am not a taker, right? All these things that you have to think through, because I bet if you've been with a hijackal, you've learned to settle for less, and you may have learned to settle for less in your life, in all areas. And if that's the case, that's fixable. 
we can work on that. We can do things with that. But to make these essential internal shifts so that you will not be sitting duck waiting for a hijack call to sniff you out is very, very important. So we have time, reflection, and internal shifts, and those are followed by new decisions. You've thought it all through. Now you decide what are you moving toward? What are you moving away from? How do you express your current values? How do you demonstrate who you are in the world? And you learn to say no early. Imagine now you go out dating and you don't have a well-honed ability to know exactly what you want. You're not going to take anybody's crumbs anymore. Remember, no crumbs. You need the full meal deal. Got it? (laughs) So you're not going to take crumbs. So you need to be very clear that as you're calibrating a new person in your life, you're dating, You've got the right hat on to be able to say, hmm, didn't like that very much. Let's see if it recurs. If it recurs, I'm just going to pass on this person. You don't need to give them a reason. You don't need to do anything. It is within your right to just say no. You're not saying, no, you're a bad person. You're saying, no, you're not the right person for me. And save yourself and the other person heartache and pain and anticipation of something that is not going to happen. So it becomes important to make new decisions and and to not, to not rush. You know, hijackles like to rush you. Do we remember that? Like they they kind of meet you and they say, I know I don't know you, but I love you. And I I know we're going to spend our life together. And you go, oh, this is so wonderful. And yet now, what's it going to be? It's going to be one of these, right? Huge red flag, huge red flag. You're in a rush guy or girl? No, no, not going to happen. You get all the time in the world. You know, I was working with a client the other day. It was on a dating site and the fellow wrote and didn't say anything nice, didn't say anything pleasant, just said, uh, we should talk. Here's my number. And she told me that she wrote back and she said, we could talk. And when is a good time to call you? So she wasn't sitting on the dating site just waiting for a response. So you know, probably eight or nine hours went by and uh, she noticed the you can call me anytime message. And he wrote and said, aren't you interested? (laughs) And she wrote back and said, interested, but not in a hurry. See, she learned well. (laughs) Interested, but not in a hurry. Um, I will call. And she didn't call that day. And the next day he wrote to her and said, okay, I'm going to pass on you. And she said to me, what do you think? I said, I think your response should be good. Because you could tell that the immediacy and the, the, the definition, like we should talk. Are you kidding? I don't even know who you are. Why should we talk? I'm sure that went through her mind. And then the insistence, like, here's my number. And why aren't you calling? A big red flag, right? Like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen in my time frame. And it's because I want it. And I am not even listening or reading what it is you're writing back to me. There it was. So she did. She wrote back and just said, 
After he said, I'm going to pass on you, she wrote back and said, good, never to hear from the fellow again. But it's really important to have those no rush aspect to what you're doing. I don't care if your biological clock is going to run out or if you think you're too old to have someone else's biological clock run out. Whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. No rush, just no rush. There is no rush. And if somebody creates rush, then your antenna needs to go up and say, what's the rush about? What is the rush about? And also, I want you to come to that place of equality, reciprocity, and mutuality and feel free to ask questions. Ask questions nicely, not like you have them in an interrogation room with a single light bulb hanging above them, but be curious, ask questions. You know, I was wondering what you think about this and just calibrate the answers, calibrate the answers. But in order to do that, you have to have asked yourself all those questions. And that's why you need the time and the self-reflection so that you can make the internal shifts so that you can make new decisions about how you're going to be when you go out into the dating world. So we've got those four things. Now, the next thing after those are in place and you've done some of that work is to open your eyes for red flags. I mentioned that a minute ago, but this is another thing to think about. You have listened to my podcast. You've watched my YouTube videos. Maybe you've been a client of mine. We've talked. You know the red flags. And if you don't educate yourself further, you know, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash for relationship help. My podcast is saveyoursanitypodcast.com hundreds of episodes for you in both places. In fact, there's over 560 videos on YouTube. You can search them for what it is that you need to know. But educate yourself well so you could open your eyes to red flags. I know you don't want to. You want to take your rose-colored glasses back and put them firmly on your nose, and then you won't be able to see the red flags because you're so tired of red flags. However, don't do it, and you will repent at your leisure while being in the same hijackal situation again, perhaps. So you need to open your eyes to red flags, and then you need to open your heart for new experiences. And what I mean by this is if you've done your healing work, and I hope you have, I hope we work together and get that to happen for you, or that you come into the membership at joinintoday.com and you take a few of the courses because you get a 10% discount on all my courses when you're a member. But whatever work that you have done to open your heart to new experiences means this, that you take all of that learning and then when you look at a new person, you see them for who they are in the moment as they are. You don't put a past hijackal's face on them or a past parent's face on them. You look at them with new eyes for the new experience of who they are now. See that person. And that's a big deal. Because you may have had this experience where you get into a new relationship and you, you get angry or you get rattled or something, and all of the past faults of the person prior to this person come up. 
and you are looking for them like crazy and you start accusing them of the same thing and you're afraid they're going to be there. Well, think how that is when you're coming out of a relationship with a hijackal. Of course, you're on alert and you're going to be watching. So you need to heal. Take that time to heal and erase some things and replace some things so that you are clear moving forward, that you can be with the new person, see that person for who he or she is, as opposed to bringing along baggage from the past. And yes, those are very few words, but that's a whole lot of work. And I know that's the case. So you've opened your eyes for red flags. You've opened your heart for new experiences. And now you need to open your mind for possibilities. And part of the work of preparing to date is to say, what are the qualities I would like in a relationship? Write them down. What would I like? How would I like to be treated? What would that look like in time and space? What would it feel like to be appreciated and acknowledged and known and heard and seen? Wouldn't that be wonderful? What would it look like? What would it feel like? And start rehearsing what that would feel like so that you can calibrate it when you get into a new relationship. Because if you open your mind for possibilities, you do not have to have a repeat. You can have a new experience. And that's what you want because that last one, not so good, right? Or that relationship with a parent that's still haunting you and popping up all the time. You know, I've said many times I had two hijackal parents and I'm a lucky only child. So I had the full double whammy. <laughs> but, you know, at my worst moments, I can feel my mother encroaching on me. You know, I think I said on another podcast, one of the times it will happen if there's any undue stress, which fortunately there very rarely is, but it'll be like, what are you doing? You're taking off too much potato peel. We're not made of money, you know, or the fear of being rejected. That's one of the things that comes from having a hijackal parent. You know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And you start to generalize those kinds of things to your primary relationships, your romantic relationships. That's why it's so important to heal first. So number eight, the eight essential factors. Number eight is that you need to have a deep sense that you can trust yourself and keep yourself safe. Before you go out into the dating world, you must have a deep sense that you can trust yourself and keep yourself safe. So yes, you can see the red flags. Yes, you could practice date and say, thank you, I'm going home now. You can say no with aplomb at any time. You are calibrating what's happening in a healthy way. You are looking toward the possibilities and seeing the present moment clearly. And you come to trust yourself. We've gotten rid of the remnants of what it was like to be a hijackal. We have the scar, but not the wound. I hope that makes sense to you. Because until you have a scar, a scar, you are not ready to date. It needs to heal so that you can go forward without fear of bumping into that wound, without concern for it. You will always remember that you, you knew that you healed, but it is not going to interfere with you moving forward because you've looked at all the pieces of it and you have worked them through. 
So I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble that you could just pop out there and date sometime soon, but it's not wise. That is not giving yourself the gift of what's best in life. It really is best to give yourself time. Now, I've mentioned the Emerging Empowered Community. Come on over, joinintoday.com. Joinintoday.com. Come on and enjoy, especially that it's pretty sparse right now and get in on some of those member benefits of the twice a month Ask Me Anything group Zoom with me. Come on over for that. And also, um, you can take the courses, as I mentioned, or you can work with me. And, you know, you can find that at beaclient.com. So really simple. And in the meantime, go to forrelationshiphelp.com and learn all the other things. So, so much to prepare. Get yourself out of the situation. You may need help. I can help you with that, but then heal afterward. You need to not only recover, but you need to rebuild yourself. And then you know that you can trust yourself, that you're safe with yourself, and you are intact and ready to move forward in a wise and healthy way. So I hope these things have encouraged you to do just that. I'll look forward to talking with you if you come to the Emerging Empowered Community or come and work with me privately. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself. Because no matter what a hijackal parent or partner did to you, forget that you're precious and you matter and you deserve to have a full, rich, happy life. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Savior Sanity Podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saviorsanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.